What's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately, and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Hi there. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, which is home base for me. If you don't know me yet, I'm a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose, organizational logotherapist, inspirational speaker, social scientist, and author. I help companies discover and articulate their purpose and thread it through culture and operations. I work with organizations to develop inspirational leaders who create cultures where people actually want to come to work and do their best. And I provide programs like the Grab Your Gusto that enable individual team members to discover and unleash their passion and purpose at work to catalyze fulfillment, engagement, and productivity. You can learn more about me and how we can work together at elisecortez.com or gusto-now.com. With us today is Uni Turatini, who is an author, speaker, and facilitator on a mission to restore trust in leadership and cultivate a culture of connection. She's the author of Betraying the Noble, The Secrets and Corruption Behind the Noble Peace Prize, and also The Mystery of the Lone Wolf Killer, which examines Norwegian mass murderer Anders Bering Brevik, both from a psychological and sociological perspective, and focuses on what we can learn from that tragedy to prevent rampage killings spurred by loneliness. She joins us today from Oslo, Norway, where it's 11 p.m. at night over there. Uni, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you so much, Elise, for having me. Beyond thrilled to have you, Uni, and just to be connected with you and the work that you're doing in the world. And really, also, let's also celebrate that you are still with us. Yes. You have just come back from the COVID trip. And uh, you and your family. So we had you scheduled on the show a couple of weeks ago, and you reached out the day before and said, oh, Elise, I'm so sorry. I have COVID and I don't know if I if I'm going to be strong enough to do the show. And so how did it go? How did how'd you navigate it? You know, it was uh, no fun. Um, I'll be honest, but we all pulled through. Thank goodness. I mean, I'm, I'm so I'm so incredibly, incredibly grateful that we are um, a family. We're all in good health and the kids got it very lightly. Uh, thankfully, and my husband and I, we got it too, and we were in bed. You know, it was a week. It was a it was a a rough week, but um, thankfully, we're strong, we're in good health, and and we could uh, pull through quite easily. I have to say so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, very very glad to have you uh, back in good stead, and certainly sharing your important message with us today. Which I think, in many ways, this notion of here you are coming up COVID, and we're going to talk about loneliness today and relational mm-hmm. connection. I think it's kind of an interesting thing to start to queue up on. So you and I met a few months ago and started talking about what you were addressed in the and what you're addressing in the world, which I thought was hugely important. So I want to start by talking about the problem that you talk about of isolation and loneliness in the world. You say that more than sixty percent of American adults report feeling isolated with Europe following a similar trend. So what's going on besides the of course the pandemic, which has got to be part of this, what's going on and how can that how can that be when we seem to have so many channels to communicate and connect? Oh, you're so right. I mean, we do have so many channels. I mean, we've never been more connected, right? Um, through technology and social media than we are today. Yet, we have never been lonelier as a society. Mm-hmm. And as you said, more than 60% uh, 
uh, of American adults struggle with loneliness today. That's coming out of the pandemic. Before the pandemic, already um, there were experts talking about loneliness as an epidemic, you know, epidemic proportions. And, you know, the US was at around 40% back then. So, really, now it's really, and that's because of, of course, because of COVID, social restrictions, we haven't been able to see our family travel, visit, be together in the way that we used to be, right? So, it's definitely um, a lot of that. Now, in Europe, we see that the UK, um, beginning of 2018 already, they appointed, the government appointed a loneliness minister to try to deal mm -hmm. with the problem there. So this, wow. is, this is something that is huge and and politicians, governments are starting now around the world to take seriously. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now let's talk about some consequences of this mm -hmm. isolation. What happens when we feel this loneliness and we feel isolated? So that's, that's, that's really why it's, it's so important to have these conversations, Elise, and I, and I thank you for bringing it up because loneliness has some serious consequences. So first of all, it is a direct danger to our health, right? So um, even, you know, our physical health. So it's research shows that loneliness is more dangerous than obesity and or, or smoking 15 cigarettes per day. Right. And we also new research uh, just out also shows there is a link between loneliness and depression and getting severe COVID. So that mm. is something that is, is extremely mm. important right now to take into consideration and start dealing with that, because people who are people who are lonely are dealing with a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety and depression. Right. Because it leads to that. So when we are in a state of hypervigilance, that's also when we get weaker. You know, mm -hmm. we are, we, we, we can, can, um, uh, we can, we can attract, we can, we can get sick by all sorts of things. Right. But especially a virus because we are in a weaker state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to, to talk about the men, you know, the danger to our physical and mental health. And, um, and address those issues, right? And also, um, loneliness has financial consequences. In the UK, the authorities have estimated that loneliness is costing employers more than 3.5 billion US dollars every year because of people on sick leave. So there's, there are big um, societal costs as well. And also in, in uh, you know, in terms of, of um, of health, you know, health costs and, and, uh, and, you know, especially, you know, here in Europe where we have, you know, where our, our, our medical bills are paid for by our taxes or, or by the state. Right. So, so that's, it, it has a huge consequence on the whole system and, and a burden on the system. So, and, and as I write about, um, in my first book, the mystery of the lone wolf killer, which is, I was just going to get to that next. That's fascinating. Yeah, yes, go ahead. Right. Absolutely. Loneliness can make us dangerous. Not, you know, not just toward other people, like I write about in my book, but also toward ourselves. Because mm -hmm. loneliness is the condition associated with suicide. And, and although not all lonely people have thoughts about committing suicide, it's safe to say that all suicidal people are lonely. Hmm. Mm hmm. I, I can see that. So as you're speaking about this, I mean, you know what's going through my mind? 
my God, this woman takes on small issues. <laughs> you know, way to, way to just, you know, take on Goliath, woman. This is amazing, you know. And so let's, let's now go further under the hood here. One of the things that was so compelling to me when we first got together and spoke about you coming on air and you shared about what you've been up to, uh, you talk about how you were compelled by the 2011 mass killing in your own backyard there in Oslo, and you made some startling discoveries about your own background personally and experiences which were very similar, eerily similar to those of the killer. Say more about that. Absolutely. That was, I mean, I was, we had this her most horrific, to those who don't remember, uh, in 2011 on July 22nd, this young man, Anders Breivik, um, blew up the government center in Oslo, Build a, he built a car bomb, uh, just like the one Timothy McVeigh used in Oklahoma City in 1995, right? Yeah. And and then he, he got away. He managed to get away from, from, from that scene. And then he drove to about 45 minutes outside of Oslo to this island where there was a summer, summer camp for teenagers. And he started shooting and he killed 77 people that day, most of them teenagers and kids you know the, the youngest i think was 11 years old um so this was of course such um a shock such uh you know it was so horrific and 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 to us in norway this was our 9 11 mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and i was living in switzerland at the time and i remember trying to call home trying to call my parents, I was trying to call my friends. You know, I, I'm a lawyer by training. So so a lot of my friends were working in the government center, right, in the justice mm -hmm. department there. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to call them and I couldn't get through. And um, so so on a, as a Norwegian, of course, I was very touched by this. But but what I discovered when I was um, I was following the news and I was and I was starting to do some digging on my own was that the reason why I was so perhaps beyond normal, normally touched by this, um, because I developed sort of, a, in a way, uh, an obsession and a fascination by this type of killer, this sort of lone wolf, all alone, um, very intelligent, a thorough planner. Um, and why would someone like that who's never done anything criminal in his life prior to this act why would someone go to this extreme like how can that happen someone who who who, who came from a good family who was educated intelligent who grew up close to 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 my home went to the same schools that you know that really intrigued me and what i found was that this young man he felt um like an outsider growing up. Mm -hmm. He never felt that he was part of the group. He never felt really accepted and never, he never had that sense of belonging growing up and this followed him. And I could recognize myself in that. Yeah. I had struggled with, with my own sense of lack of belonging and loneliness for so many years as well. And up until, you know, up until well, the most recent years, I've struggled with that. And that's, and that really, so I could empathize with what all of these killers, because I, then I started studying similar killers around the world and all of them, all of them struggled with belonging, 
and loneliness. Mm. Feeling like they were part of something, right? Yeah. It was important yeah. to be part. And they never made it. They never could become part of a group. Um, and now, so, so all of these killers then have also a lot of attachment issues from early childhood. And I don't necessarily have those. So I have been able to connect with people as an adult, but these killers, they can't. So that's why they, in, in the end, they suffer so much. They go to this extreme. Now, thankfully is it, it is rare that someone will go to this extreme, but we see it increasingly. And even now coming out of the pandemic, right? Um, there's been a dramatic increase in mass shootings, for example, mm -hmm. in the United States and violence. So, um, and that is, that is a side effect of this social isolation that we all have been under for, for, for almost two years now. And, um, we, you know, we're people, we are hardwired to connect and to be together in community. And when we are outside, when we, even, even if we have people around us, but we feel like we are not part of, mm -hmm. um, we, we suffer, we suffer yeah. and it, it causes a lot of stress and depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I can completely say how you got so riveted on all, all that, especially if you felt like some, some strong commonalities there. So yeah. with the book that you wrote, The Mystery of the Lone Wolf Killer, what do you hope that readers will get from that? So my, my goal with the book was really to, because what, what happened was I was following the news, I was reading, I was doing my own research and I couldn't find in the news during the trial of, of Anders Breivik, I couldn't find the answers that I was looking for. I felt that they weren't digging deep enough. They were mm -hmm. blaming it on extremism and his um, political views. Whereas what I found was that it really is irrelevant. They they always attach to extremism and, and, and some form of like almost like an angry um, fundamentalism, if you will. Mm -hmm. But it really could be anything. It doesn't really matter what the cause is, as long as they can attach to it and use it to 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 kill in the name of the cause but it doesn't really matter what the cause is so to me the 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 cause is irrelevant mm -hmm. it's really what's what's behind why are they attaching to this why are they driven toward extremism and fundamentalism in this way mm -hmm. that's what's what here right mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. what i did so i wrote about that i wrote also about our cultures today and why why um so many people struggle with loneliness. And then I also try to um, to reveal, reveal what the warning signs are. What are the warning signs of a lone wolf killer in the making? So that hopefully, hopefully we can spot him and then prevent it from happening way before, like way before, like years before, even when, you know, like to back to when they are in they are in school mm -hmm. and that has a lot to do with inclusivity and 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 bullying and how we treat the same thing mm -hmm. and making people feel seen heard and valued 
That's yeah. all we want, really, all of us, right? Right, right. Oh, my gosh, what a beautiful way to take us into our, our first break, Uni. Thank you. We've been on, on the air with Uni Turatini, who is the author, speaker, and speaker and facilitator on, um, on a mission to restore trust and leadership and cultivate a culture of connection. I'm your host, Dr. Lise Cortez. We've been talking about the problem of loneliness. After the break, we're going to talk about her solution, which is to increase relational energy. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. Before we get back to the program, I want to invite you to check out my book, Purpose Ignited, How Inspiring Leaders Ignite Passion and Other Cause. It's on Amazon. I wrote it to awaken readers to their passion and purpose and help transform them into inspirational leaders who enliven the workplace and elevate the contribution of business to all its stakeholders. I use this content as a basis for my Vitally Inspired Leadership Program and the Grab Your Gusto programs. If you're just joining the program today, my guest is Uni Turatini, who is an author, speaker, and facilitator on a mission to restore trust in leadership and cultivate a culture of connection. She's the author of Betraying the Noble, The Secrets of Corruption Behind the Noble Peace Prize, and The Mystery of the Lone Wolf Killer. I'm your host, Dr. Lise Cortez. So we talked about the problems before this segment here, mm-hmm. and let's dive into your solution, which is increasing relational energy, which is so mm-hmm. beautiful and novel and different. I just had to have you on for that reason. So your journey has taught you that, as you say, that that these problems of isolation and loneliness can be largely addressed by increasing this relational energy. Yeah. And so first, tell us more about what you mean by relational energy. What does that mean? Oh, yeah, that's such, you know, I love talking about relational energy. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk all day about it. So I, um, I have what I call the four pillars of connection that, um, that are all needed for us to feel fulfilled, to to feel connected, right? And relationships is one of these pillars. And that's where the relational energy comes in. And so relationships are really the foundation for communication and also for conflict resolution, right? Mm -hmm. And and we see that, but what we see in the world uh, on all levels is that, you know, organizations and even countries, they try to solve conflicts by gathering people sitting around a table, but without building relationship first. Mm. So, um, and and research shows very clearly that there are actually basically only three things that matters, really matters to us, to any, any of us, right? In any organization and in society. And the first thing is personal development. So opportunities for growth, right? And then that we have a purpose and that's why I love this 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 radio show, uh, Elise. Uh, you know, working on purpose is so amazing that you do this. And the third is positive personal relationships. Hmm. And so that doesn't mean that we have to be close friends, 
with the people that we interact with every day, it can it can also be random people that we meet on the street. What matters is that they are high quality connections, meaning yeah. that they are warm, kind, and generous. And so, and 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 also, it's really interesting because Gallup has found that having friendly relationships at work, for example, is even more important to us women than it is to men. We are exceptionally relational beings, right? As women. And, and if we have this, if we have a lot of relational energy in our work environment, then we are less likely to quit or look for a new job. And we also feel less stressed and we have better health and we are happier. So, so relational energy to coming back to your question, sorry, that was a long rant, but <laughs> it's okay. I'm with you. <laughs> relational energy is, is really, it's, it's really simple. It's the emotional energy that is created in every single social interactions that we have. And, and we feel this, right? Because I mean, some people, like when I'm talking to you right now, I feel energized. I feel good. Me too. And you, you, you bring me energy, right? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm going to go to bed after and I'm going to feel really great about myself. I just feel it. And then sometimes we spend time with someone and, and we, come home afterwards and we feel drained and we feel mm -hmm. tired and, and and we don't feel so good about ourselves and and that's the depletion of energy so we want to increase relational energy as much as possible right in our lives and just you know as if you don't mind i'd love to to talk about an example that i have from my life about this i mean absolutely I was, um, this is years ago now, I was working as a lawyer for a bank in Switzerland, an investment bank, and they sent me to this conference in Moscow, huge conference, lots of people, and I didn't know anyone and I felt kind of out of place. And um, this, the, you know, the one morning, you know, I was, was in the elevator going down to the lobby to breakfast and um, this this man comes into the elevator and I, I i knew of him because he was he was a big deal in that world back then and and he turns and he looks at me and he says hi uni how are you this morning how was your you know dinner last night he remembered me from the small little introduction and small talk that we that we that we did you know at the the big you know gala dinner the the night before and the fact that he remembered my name and knew who I was, I felt so good. I felt so motivated and energized. And that just not only made my day, but my whole conference, my whole experience of that conference completely changed. So mm -hmm. that's an example of the power of relational energy. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, and it's so, and relational energy sparks um, a chain of reactions. And and so just to explain, this is this is from I think um, Dr. Wayne Baker, who is faculty director of the University of Michigan, um, and he says that relational energy makes us feel good. So there's an emotional aspect to it, but there's also a cognitive aspect to relational energy. Mm. It gives us clarity, and it improves our memory and performance. So what that means is that when we have a lot of relational energy, we become more productive and also potentially more successful, right? Mm, so we all makes want sense. 
-hmm. makes sense. Okay. So I like to call relational energy kind of like a, a secret weapon, right? It's a, it's a, it's really, it's a superpower because you can, you can do so much with it. You know, I totally am getting that. And I want to just, if I can give a shout out to my Brazilian friends who taught me about relationships and connection when I lived there from 91 to 93 and years and years ago, they taught me about that. And part of what they taught me in that case, I know this is not part of what you're talking about, but my experience of that, what made it so different and distinguishing was they were so present when they were with, with, with me. They were, they were, they, we were together connected. And a lot of times, usually there's also, you're touching when you, when you mm -hmm. talk with someone in Brazil, you, there's the, there's a physical piece to communicating as well, which is also just beautiful for me. But that's where I learned a lot about the importance and the brilliance and the beauty of, of relational energy. So I really appreciate what we're talking about. And I see just how distinguishing it as superpower is a great word for it. And you, of course, being you, um, developed these four pillars. So let's talk about each one of those so our listeners and viewers can get access to them. The first one, as you say, is self-worth. So talk, talk to us about that one. Oh. This is maybe my favorite, um, favorite one of all of them because it, it really is the foundation for for everything. Mm -hmm. So, it's when um, when someone says they're lonely, what they're really saying is that I don't believe I'm worthy of love and connection. Mm. And that just hit me when I realized that it just hit me so deep because that felt like truth to me that mm -hmm. was i i dis, i realized that my own loneliness my own disconnection was a lack of self-worth i didn't believe i was worthy so i behaved like i wasn't worthy and so i would sometimes even exclude myself right because i didn't believe i was worthy so it's 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 crucial to understand our own worth to discover our worth and i i think that unworthiness is is perhaps the epidemic on our planet i mean how we live in a world of feeling not enough right like how how many of us really feel that love you know really love ourselves unconditionally so i think that that's the first step the very first step in connecting with other people is to connect with ourselves first. Mm -hmm. And okay. yeah, so so I so what what I teach um, people is to to working on that connection with ourselves. And the first thing to um, to work on is grounding ourselves. Being grounded and being connected are are so interlinked. And especially in this world and even before the pandemic, you know, we are bombarded with news, with fake news, with information, with opinions, it's constant and never ending, right? And also we've been taught to look outside of ourselves for happiness, raising for careers and money and social status. So being grounded is harder than ever. And I think that's a big part of this whole loneliness epidemic. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. So self-worth self, so, yeah. self is the first pillar. Yeah. Um, and the second one, of course, is where I, of course, got to also chime in uh, contribution. Mm -hmm. um, and I, of course, want to explore it as we talked about together on the phone, how it's connected to purpose. Exactly. Because one of our 
basic human needs is to give of ourselves. It's to mm -hmm. contribute. Mm -hmm. It makes us feel when we give, we, it makes us feel like we matter. It gives us purpose, right? So it's, it's exactly uh, what you're talking about. And, and, but in our society today, um, what we see and what I also realize, and I have to like catch myself um, often is that we tend to value personal achievement higher than contribution, right? Yeah. And, and, and so I have to be mindful mm -hmm. of what, what I teaching my, my kids as well. But, but um, a way that we can contribute more, all of us, all of us can contribute more and feel like we matter. It is to, to, to own our expertise and to share what matters to us, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And by speaking up, because we need, we need to hear your voice. We need yeah. to, we all have something to give. We all have something to contribute. But part of contribution is also allowing ourselves to receive. And that's something that I didn't realize before. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because I was so, um, I was so, my, my whole, my whole being was about achieving, right? Collecting degrees and titles and, and whatnot and people into my life. And I, I, I didn't realize how important it is and I didn't feel worthy enough to receive, but receiving is contribution is really, it's, it's really two, two sides of it, right? So if we can't feel that we matter and it doesn't give us that pleasure if the other person isn't allowing us to give to them right so yes. we also have yes. to be open to receiving and 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 by doing that we're actually giving the other person a gift we're mm -hmm. giving them the gift of of showing them that they matter and that they are important mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. beautiful i want to cover the last two really quick before we go to the next wow. segment so you have trust next talk about trust yeah let's talk about trust trust is so important trust is really essential to connection without trust yeah. we live in a constant state of vigilance which creates again a lot of anxiety and stress mm -hmm. trust is really the glue that holds our society to get together right and we see that trust is low in our world today in general we see this with all the you know the riot on on january 6th this year you know the yellow vest movement in france um, you know, people being drawn to conspiracy theories and extremism, that is, that is a consequence of, of trust and lack of trust. And, and trust also fuels loneliness and loneliness fuels distrust. So it's really important that we all think about how we can increase trust by being ourselves by taking responsibility for our acts. And we also need our leaders, right? To take responsibility for, for, for their acts and apologize and, you know, have be more clear, be more transparent. And so, and so that's how trust is, is an important part of this whole equation. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. That's just, there's just all kinds of things for us to go into there, but let's get relationship last. Is that the last one? Okay. Yes. And we, we, we actually talked quite a lot about relationship because it is really what I mean when I, when I, when I say relational energy, it's really okay. cultivating relationships, but I'm happy to talk more about, uh, how to do that, how we can create more, um, cultivate relationship and also create more, uh, relational energy. And, um, and so, and so it really is about being intentional, intentional 
in our connections with people. What is what is the what is the reason we bring people together? What is the reason beyond maybe the fact that it's a birthday party or or Christmas or or New Year's, right? Beyond those occasions, what is our intention? And can we also um, create some sort of purpose, specific purpose that is unique to that meeting? Mm. That cultivates relational energy in our relationships. Mm. That's gorgeous. Okay. What a way to finish that segment. Thank you, my dear, for that. Um, I'm your host. We've been on the air with Uni Tarantini. She is an author, speaker, and a facilitator on a mission to restore trust and leadership and cultivate a culture of connection. We've been talking a bit about her solution, which is cultivating relational energy. After the break, we're going to hear more about how her lens and focus is manifesting in the work she's doing today. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. One other bit of news and announcement that I have to share with you is that my anthology that I've, I've been curating for the last two years has just been released. It's a collection of 25 stories from women across the globe who are sharing their intimate details about finding their purpose and what they're now doing to serve from it. It's called Passionately Striving and Why, an anthology of women who persevere mightily to live their purpose. And I am so proud of it, I could bust. It's on Amazon for you. If you're just joining us, my guest is Uni Turatini, who is an author, speaker, and facilitator on a mission to restore trust in leadership and cultivate a culture of connection. She is the author of Betraying the, the Noble, The Secrets and Corruption Behind the Nobel Peace Prize, and also The Mystery of the Lone Wolf Killer. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So for this last segment, Uni, I want to dive into what is so great. You know, when you when you find that thing that that makes you realize I have something to give the world to to from this space, which is what you've done. It's amazing the creativity that can happen. So you, my dear, have been on a, a crazy roll and tear. So I want to first talk about, um, you're, you're launching this new program for high achieving women. So what's up with that? Why is that important to you? Where's it going? Oh, uh, my goodness. That um, is a result of my own struggle with self-worth which you know is linked to the loneliness and disconnection that I that I had for so many years mm -hmm. and trying to 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 fill my life with accomplishments and overachieving and overworking and, and working myself to exhaustion and burnout and whatnot and how I see this in so many women around me and and I felt the need I knew that I could help and so I decided to create this program because I want to help more women. I want to do this in also in a group because when we are, we need women need community with other women. So that's mm -hmm. part of it. Mm -hmm. And so um, true, so true, right? 
and and it's so it's it's amazing because i speak to women all the time how about their struggles and how they struggle to to balance work and family for example and to to have a career and 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 to follow through on their dreams and their ambitions and it's it's so hard it's so frustrating and they're frustrated because they they feel that something has to give and most of the time they give up on their careers you know they end up you know mm -hmm. uh settling doing something that maybe it's less interesting to them so that they um can be there you know more for their family and and they end up giving up on themselves which i think is is so sad and i it's want criminal. to right yeah, right and i want to prevent that from 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 happening and to to because there is a different way of living there is a different but it starts by reconnecting with ourselves and discovering what our our true worth is right and then owning that worth and owning our power because women are so powerful but we don't know it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so 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 very true i work with lots of people men and women and when i see a woman and she starts to re realize or reconnect to her power it's the most amazing thing yeah okay so uh one of the other things that you told me that you were working on which i think is just extraordinary is you you've got a project you're working on in association with the public mental health and eating disorders in norway mm -hmm. oh my gosh what in the world is that what is that about what do you hope to accomplish oh that is a project we're working on it um we will launch um beginning of, of next year and this is really because there is such a link between all eating disorders including anorexia bulimia and and uh, binge eating and loneliness right and they feed off of literally each other. literally right lot, mm -hmm. right and there's a lot of the same symptoms so someone with an eating disorder typically feels like you know they don't love themselves they don't value themselves they beat themselves you know up just like just like people who are lonely just like all these you know also these you know overachieving and high achieving women do as well and there's so there's such a link and and the the fact that these the negative emotions that that results from the loneliness fuels the eating disorder symptoms as well and 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 vice versa so it's extremely important to understand loneliness and to deal with the loneliness in order to deal with the eating disorder mm, that's so interesting i've had friends yeah. many friends who have had major eating disorders that have helped them with i'm not yeah. that i can i'm not i mean i should say i should say supported them while they were going through it i can't I don't treat that myself but yeah i can see the loneliness piece under that mm -hmm. mm. exactly so that's what we're going to do in in collaboration where i come in and talk about the loneliness and you know so there will be sort of workshop we'll workshop this this will this will be a program that will go over a year to start with and then we'll see mm -hmm. where, where it goes from there but i think it's 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 so interesting and so i mean i'm so happy that the norwegian government and state is taking loneliness is beginning to take loneliness seriously also and also mental illness i think you know we we are haven't even seen anything yet of what this pandemic is is you know, is going to the be fallout, yeah. our mental health right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
And although it was necessary, I'm not saying that the, the all the precautions, all the you know the measures were not necessary, but it will have an effect on how we function in society. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, talk about you know in terms of this project that you're up to, Uni. Talk about um, contribution, making an impact, mm -hmm. making a difference, giving your gift. So one of the things that I know, being being a, a local therapist, is that when we give of ourselves, when we serve other people, yeah. then we get into self transcendence. That is the space that gives us the, the feeling of fulfillment that you're talking about. So talk about, you know, contribution on your part to be part of this. And I can't even imagine the amazing people that you're working with on this project. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, out of this world. And I'm, I feel so grateful and as so privileged to be able to do this and be able to hopefully help so many people and and hopefully also we can take this abroad you know take this outside of of, uh, of Norway and 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 experiment with 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 you know dealing with different aspects of our mental health you know yeah 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 in connection mm -hmm. okay awesome that is so amazing talk about being up to something my dear um, <laughs> and then wait there's more um, you told me that you're also launching this new class called Why Balancing Work and Family is So Dang Hard and What to Do Instead. So oh, what yes. is that? Yes. And when, and when is that coming out? So actually, that is, um, I had a class, uh, that's actually a free master class that I'm doing. Um, just, you know, because I want to help as, as, as many people as I can. So there is a class actually that will be on Tuesday next week. That will be my last class in this series uh, for now anyway. And, um, and, you know, and for any listeners who would like to join that class, feel free. You can go to my website and, and, uh, sign up for it or any of my social media. I am the only person in the world with my name. I have a very weird name, amazing, <laughs> unusual name. So, um, so you can you can find it and and sign up, and it will be uh, next Tuesday. So that is really where I'm taking five of the most frequent frustrations, challenges, and burning questions that I hear from women from all mm. over the world about balance and trying to balance work and family, and. And, and and feeling so frustrated and then what i will do i will take those five uh challenges frustrations and i will deal with them one by one and teach on what we can do instead how mm -hmm. we can what we can do instead so we don't have to try to balance right because i mean balancing if you think about it you know your work needs you 100 percent. your mm -hmm. family needs you 100 percent. how do you balance that mm -hmm. i i haven't found any way to balance that yeah. so there's but there's something else that we can do instead and that has to do with 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 owning our self-worth knowing what we are worth and setting boundaries and and a lot of the same things actually that we deal with with loneliness it's just a different aspect of it and it, you know a little different methods but mm -hmm. Okay, ooh, I got I got I got we got we got to treat this. So yes. what you're talking about is so important about this mm -hmm. why balancing work and family is so dang hard what to do instead. So here yeah. is what, what what I've been saying and coming to is that the pandemic in many ways has really ushered in what I would call a workforce strike. Yeah. The workforce has said, "Uh-uh, not going to tolerate this stuff anymore. I'm not going to go work for low wages and get exposed to COVID. I'm just not going to do that. I'm just going to yeah. quit my job and I'm going to go." Or I'm not going to work in a, an overwhelming, crazy hours anymore. I'm just going to quit my job and go. Mm -hmm. So now, if we take this notion of this family piece, as far as if, if I have this right, I'm pretty sure only women can bring children in the world, at mm -hmm. least currently. So, you know, if, if there's, it, it needs to be done, right? So we've got to find yeah. a way to be able to make this more 
um, available for women to be able to have a career, but also still be able to have a family. And so just yes. today, I'm having a conversation with a woman that I'm working with, that I'm doing some coaching with, and she's pushing back on her on her boss and employer because they're saying, hey, you want to navigate your career. If you're going to navigate your career, you have to travel. You've got to be on the road. And she has a very young child, and she wants to have an, another child. And mm -hmm. she said, no. They said, you should get a, a, a nanny. You should go ahead and, you know, get help in your house, get your, your mom to come over and help you. And she's like, no, I don't want to do it on those terms. I don't want to be a, I do not want to be a parent on those terms. I do not want to source outsource my parenthood to these other parties while I'm on the road for you. I will travel some for you, but this is not going to be the big two and three, three week trip thing. So I think there's a real opportunity for more women you know, to be able to push back on this stuff that's said that is required of them in order to develop their careers because they want to actually be available for their children. Mm -hmm. I chose to work for myself starting in 2003 when I had my child so that I would have more control over my life and my schedule. Yeah. So I think what you're doing is so, so critical. In fact, yeah. you know, is a necessary movement in the world right now. More women are dropping out of the workforce because they get to the place where they say, I just call uncle. I quit. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's important that people continue with their work and, and, and have careers and, and, and live their purpose. Right. And also for, for their, for their own sanity, first of all, and also for their, um, for their financial independence. And Absolutely. Right. It's, it's part of, it's part of, it's part of our movement, right. To be free, independent, equal, uh, humans right so so it is it is part and i think it has it there's there's something for working smarter and also yeah. there is something to be said for setting an example also being role models for for the younger generations for 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 younger women all over the world and and setting in setting boundaries and and being owning you know what what's what is ours to take on and what is not right yeah. Yeah, and and showing our, our our children that we no longer sacrifice ourselves for for anyone. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. we put ourselves first. Mm -hmm. That priority list needs to be turned around because usually women we as we, we tend to be the nurturers, we tend to be the you know the caretakers, and and we are the last person on our priority list, and that yeah. needs to change. It That's needs to be. We need to be first because uh, we're not serving our children or anyone by by being last and sacrificing ourselves and and showing that exhaustion and, and, and sacrifice is is what we is what we is what we show right and, and put your oxygen mask on first right and put yeah. our own mask on first yeah and then we can care for somebody else yeah. so Uni, we've managed already to come to the end of the show. It's amazing how fast it goes. Oh, so fast. Right? So you know this show is listened to by, by people all over the world. And the whole idea is to be able to help create a workplace where people actually want to come to work yeah. and thrive, do their best. And we do business that betters the world. What would you like to leave our listeners with today? Oh, there's so many things, but I'm going to uh, keep it simple. So it's all then it's all about relational energy. It's, it's about listening more, asking questions, really listening also to the nonverbal communication going on mm -hmm. care, showing that you care and i love um the example of of, of remembering someone's name even if there's that's a colleague that you don't know very well but ask them what what's your name like what do you like know something about them and their 
something in their personal life that you can pick up on and ask them and make them feel seen, heard, and valued. I think mm -hmm. that is the most important thing that we can do for our work environment. Wonderful, Uni. So great to have you and know you and to be connected to you. So thank you for being on the show, right. sharing your heart, your soul, your message. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Elise. It's been a pleasure. You're so welcome. Listeners and viewers, if you want to learn more about Uni Turatini, her work, courses, or books, you can visit her website. It's Uni Turatini. Let me spell that for you. It's U-N-N-I-T-U-R-R-E-T-T-I-N-E.com, uniturettini.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Dalton Devakaran and Steffi Sunny Devakaran, founders of Ethne, a nonprofit organization empowering vulnerable women and children across the world. We enjoyed a most inspiring conversation about how the organization and its purpose were born and the amazing work they are doing to lift lives across the planet. Two young people with also two full-time jobs on the side as well, by the way. Next week, we'll be on the air with Simon Mainwaring, talking about his latest book, Lead With We, The Business Revolution That Will Save Our Future. I promise it will be extremely interesting, educational, and inspiring. See you there. And remember, that works at least a third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.